welcome to the first episode of the Annals of the Rheumatic Disease podcast. I'm Dr. Marie Costin from France and today we are going to talk to Dr. Loha Capelli. She works as rheumatologist in the John uh, Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore and will be discussing in more details her paper recently published in the journal Inflammatory Arthritis and Zika Syndrome Induced by Nivolumab and Epilimumab. There's a um, a lot of interest in this paper and it has been the focus of a recent journal club on Twitter which stimulated a lot of discussion. So Dr. Capelli, many thanks for accepting the invitation and for sharing your experience about uh, these new clinical entities. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to participate. I think it's great that you're starting this podcast um, and I'm happy to talk about this exciting new topic. As we are maybe not all familiar with the immune checkpoint inhibitor, can you tell us a little bit about these new drugs used in oncology and why they can induce uh, rheumatic disease? Absolutely. So immune checkpoint inhibitors uh, work by blocking the negative regulation of T-cells. So the ones that are the focus of this paper, ipilimumab and nivolumab, are monoclonal antibodies to CTLA-4 for ipilimumab and PD-1 for nivolumab. And both of those are um, negative regulatory molecules on T-cells. And by blocking the negative regulatory model molecules, you allow the positive co-stimulation to happen between T-cells and antigen-presenting cells, thereby activating the T-cells to fight cancer. The good uh, aspect of these drugs is activating the immune system against cancer, but the negative aspect is the immune-related adverse events that can occur from this uh, nonspecific activation of the immune system. And with the increasing uh, number of patients likely to benefit from this treatment, I guess rheumatologists will be asked for expertise more often, but... Uh, one of the biggest issues actually is referral from our oncologist colleague. How uh, did you improve this? Well, it was definitely an active effort on our part once we started seeing some of these patients. We figured there were probably more patients out there that hadn't been referred. Um, so some of my colleagues and I actually went and talked, for example, to the lung cancer group at our institution, both their physicians, their nurse practitioners, their nurses, to inform them about what the symptoms of inflammatory arthritis and sickest syndrome are and how they might identify those in their patients. I think also for the oncologist to refer, they have to recognize that these side effects can be persistent even after therapy ceases with the immune checkpoint inhibitors. So educating um, oncologists that we think the inflammatory arthritis could be different than other immune-related adverse events in its persistence, uh, I think will continue to increase referral to rheumatology for long-term management. Well, that's, that's a good starting point. So. Uh, you report patients with uh, inflammatory arthritis and Zika syndrome, but did you observe other rheumatic patterns as well, for example, myalgia, arthralgia, or more degenerative mechanical problems related to this treatment? So it's an interesting question. People with mild arthralgia and myalgia, I don't think ever really made it to us um, from oncology. Most of the patients that have been referred for from oncology, both those included in these 
uh, in this case series and other patients we've seen um, have indeed had inflammatory arthritis um, or sicca. So they are not really referring patients who have more degenerative or mechanical problems. Um, and I think they're probably under-referring patients with inflammatory problems as well, since uh, you would think that if they were referring um, everybody that there was suspicion for, say, an inflammatory arthritis, some of those referrals would indeed reflect things like osteoarthritis or um, you know, degenerative disc disease in the back, other things like that. And we haven't seen much of that. Most of our cases have been um, truly inflammatory. And uh, what is your diagnostic approach for this patient? I mean, have you decided on the antibody panel that you screen patient with, or how do you select patient for imaging, etc.? So we have been trying to be consistent with our patients um, in autoantibody profiling in that we are not sure if the traditional autoantibodies are going to be relevant for these patients with immune-related adverse events. So we have been checking for um, ANA, rheumatoid factors, CCP, a lot of the extractable nuclear antigens, um, ANCAs, uh, some of the scleroderma-associated antibodies, um, particularly those associated with malignancy like RNA polymerase antibodies. Um, and we, we haven't yet found a... Uh, a convincing association with any of our traditional autoantibodies, which raises the question of, are there novel autoantibodies that are going to be relevant in these diseases? Regarding the second question about imaging, um, if we're not sure clinically um, about the diagnosis or if we're concerned that it might be a rapidly progressive um, inflammatory arthritis and there might be erosions, we'll obtain ultrasound or MRI of the joint to uh, better characterize that. And uh, another place where imaging can be helpful is that if you think you have a very aggressive, erosive arthritis, to document that um, helps in your conversation with the oncologist about what sort of treatment is appropriate. Yeah. And now let's move on to the, the treatment. So we noticed the steroid requirement much higher than typically need for classic rheumatic disease with sometimes the use of uh, DMARTs, methotrexate, or uh, even TNF inhibitor. Can you give us an overview of your clinical experience? How do you manage this patient? So patients will often come to us on, on steroids already from the oncologist because most of, of the other um, immune-related adverse events like colitis or pneumonitis part of the treatment algorithm is corticosteroids as an initial step. So often patients come on, um, on doses of corticosteroids that are higher than we would ever use in our classic forms of inflammatory arthritis. And what has been impressive is the persistence of symptoms in some of these patients with high doses of corticosteroids. So for us, if people are not responding to a milligram per kilogram of steroids, um, you know, within several weeks, four to six weeks, uh, we then think they will need additional DMARDs, either um, conventional DMARDs like methotrexate, uh, if we uh, if we think that we um, we can wait uh, for the time to efficacy, 
if their um, symptoms are persistent but not very severe, or if the oncologist, as opposed to a TNF inhibitor, will do things like methotrexate or leflunamide. Um, in our experience, the TNF inhibitors have worked more quickly to get inflammation under control um, and have been a little bit more effective than methotrexate. You're always concerned giving people with malignancy TNF inhibitors um, due to the theoretical concerns about um, impairing the anti-tumor response. So that, uh, that does keep me up at night <laughs> doing that for sure, and we try to limit the exposure when we can um, with the TNF inhibitors. And we're hopeful that we'll be able to identify new treatment strategies, um, use other biologics as we have more patients. Um, and maybe use biologics that have a better profile in patients with malignancies. And are all your treatment decisions made together with the oncologists? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's a joint decision between the patient, the oncologist, and the rheumatologist. And every treatment decision really should be because they're not easy treatment decisions. There are no guidelines. This is uh, a novel area. And the potential for altering the mechanism of the immune checkpoint inhibitors, that anti-cancer immune response with these drugs, um, is, is definitely a real concern. I, I see. Uh, also, growing evidence suggests that uh, occurrence of this immune uh, event might correlate with treatment response. Is it your feeling? We don't have enough data to say that definitively. We have a sense that that's true, uh, particularly in patients with severe inflammatory arthritis. We have a sense that they have a better treatment response, but it's going to take a lot more experience to know that for sure. And we also don't know if different kind of immune-related adverse events would be more associated with a favorable tumor response than others, or if just having any immune-related adverse event would predict a better tumor response. So those are important questions for the future. Oh, and I guess translational research is ongoing, right, for a better understanding of this uh, rheumatic uh, immune event and maybe to identify a new potential target for treatment, as you uh, said previously. Absolutely. I think that the translational piece is really important, and we would love to know what part of the immune response is the most important for the tumor response and what part is driving immune-related adverse events. And if there are um, aspects of the immune response that are different for those two things, um, we, would, we would preferentially target the ones that were more relevant to immune-related adverse events. And I think it's going to take a while to get down to that level of detail of understanding um, how the immune system is working in these processes, but the ultimate goal would be to have more specific targets uh, for treatment. And to conclude, uh, what would be your take-home message from this study? I would say that um, for rheumatologists, as drugs like ipilimumab and nivolumab are used more often, you will encounter patients that have immune-related adverse events from these drugs, and we don't have good guidelines for evaluation or management yet, so we should continue to share our experience, um, 
amongst our rheumatology um, colleagues and also our oncology colleagues to understand these events and to um, help best treat them and, and help these patients. And then the second point, which is not directly related to the study, but um, sort of alluded to in the discussion, is that as these drugs are uh, approved for more indications, not only will rheumatologists be uh, taking care of patients who have adverse events from these drugs, but they'll also see that their patients with pre-existing autoimmune disease will be started on these drugs for treatment of cancer, and how we as a field monitor and uh, treat flares in the context of immune checkpoint inhibitors will be another um, dilemma that, that we'll need to solve. Great. Well, with that, Dr. Capelli, it's time for me to thank you very much for your time and for contributing to this uh, podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. Also, thank you all for joining us to this first RD podcast. And if you want more detail on the study, please visit the website rrd.pmg.com. Mm-hmm.